you know, we've won two championships there, but more so we've set the global standard for what a women's professional sports team can be and, and how successful it can be. And, you know, the fact that, that you don't have to be a niche product marketed to, you know, just women and young girls. This is high caliber professional soccer. And, you know, look what can happen if, if you do it right. It's been a model, not just nationally, but internationally. Yeah. Uh, and really had a global impact, and I'm as proud of that uh, in, in, in many ways as, as, as anything. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland 50, a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today, I talk with Merritt Paulson, owner and CEO of the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns. There, there was a personal aspect to it. It wasn't just sports or the sports opportunity. I don't believe in absentee ownership, and I was going to be operating the teams. So it had to be a city that I wanted to live and that my wife, almost more importantly, <laughs> wanted to live in yeah. as well. So there had to be a personal connection. Um, you know, we, we weren't necessarily geographically constrained, but again, there aren't that many spots we, we really wanted to put down roots either. Right. So um, I, I think add that to the fact that, you know, this was the biggest uh, metropolitan area the time with with or one of the biggest with only one major league sports team mm-hmm. you know there's a uh, metric which is basically population per major league sports team and portland was was top five in the country right um when you when you looked at it that way and it's it's a great sports market uh you know rip city and support the ducks ha- have and yeah. it's soccer city usa so you know, I came into this thing with with a pretty soccer centric view. Although, you know, when you look at at the press conference, it was clearly focused on AAA baseball. Which, mm-hmm. you know, when we did the deal in two thousand seven uh, for the Beavers, we attributed all but a hundred thousand dollars of the value to the Beavers. I mean, USL right. soccer teams weren't really worth anything. But right. you know, when when I got to the point where where um, I was ready to do my own thing, and I had the the, the you know sports focus. Don Garber, uh, the commissioner of Major League Soccer, was our first meeting, and that was back in 2005. We were actually looking at San Jose um, mm-hmm. in the Bay Area at that point in time, and and it didn't end up doing the deal. Um, but the fact that that we had the stadium, which was a, a jack of many trades and master of none, uh, but in the heart of downtown Portland, and had the ability to sort of move back to its orig- original rectangular configuration. I knew it would take work. I knew there was risk, but I was really comfortable with the market and I was comfortable with the downside if, if, if we weren't able to, to, to make it work out. So no, I'm not a Portland person, but, but, but you know, there was that first, that personal aspect. Right. And then I, I really liked the sports opportunity. Well, you and your wife are outdoor enthusiasts. So Portland certainly fit into that Big part time. of your life. Big time. Yeah. I am not a Portland native either, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, 10-plus uh, years in, 
I'm I'm officially a Portlander. Yeah, I think so, you can earn your patch. Right <laughs> I've, I've I've earned my stripes <laughs> by by. Yeah. I don't think anyone in this town is going to kick you out. Let's just put it that way. I make I may come at things with a with a little bit. It's funny they always say a, a lot of people will say you bring an East Coast mentality. I'm I'm a Chicago native, so I'm not a I'm actually not an East Coast guy. I was living in Manhattan uh, when this when this happened, but I'm a, sh- Chicago's where I was raised. So uh, that was 2007 when uh, you bought uh, the two teams. And then in 2010, you sold the Beavers. I mean, there had been a lot of thought process and what was going on behind the scenes that it made sense to sell the Beavers? It it really was, we didn't get the deal done for the baseball stadium. So we originally had an agreement with the mayor and Randy Leonard, uh, who really were the champions uh, among the city council for me at that point of the deal to renovate uh, at the time PGE Park, now Providence right. Park, uh, for a soccer-specific setup that would meet Major League Soccer requirements and build a baseball stadium at Memorial Coliseum, which was a problem for the city, still is a problem for the city. Uh, they still haven't come up with the, with the right mm-hmm. solution. It would have you know, activated the Rose Quarter in a way that, that I think they'd originally anticipated with a complimentary season um, to the, the, the Blazers. Uh, and we could have put in a eight or 9,000 seat uh, baseball park there and it, it worked really well. And you yeah. had the parking and the infrastructure. Everything's there. Yeah, and then Sam had his issue um, right after we did that deal. And mm-hmm. when we faced opposition, you know, at the end of the day, there just wasn't the political support, you know, to push that that one through. And I had to make the decision right. which which of the two was I going to get behind. And that was right. an easy, really easy decision. It wasn't easy to be a guy who moved any team outside of the city. That was never my goal. I don't want to minimize that, you know, and I took a little bit of shrapnel in, in, in the process. But I think most people who were objective and followed the process closely understood that that was a decision that was forced on me. And, you know, we tried to make the Beavers work in Beaverton yeah. um, after that. And, and and so I actually thought even without that, we had, well, then we had the Lentz thing, which was just politics. I mean, I never uh, believed that, that Lentz was going to be the solution, but we had to go down that route mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. Um, and, 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 but Beaverton was the, was the backup plan to Memorial Coliseum. But yeah. Uh, again, that one that one failed as well. Yeah, well, it's interesting. We sit ten years later, and Memorial College. You know, things haven't changed around there. I think it's going to take a lot if there if we do bring Major League Baseball to town. But in the meantime, going back to you know that time period, you know that was about a year later when Portland was awarded a franchise for MLS soccer. How much work goes behind the scenes to get a franchise? Particularly in MLS, uh, there was there was definitely uh, work. Um, you know, now it's 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 even more work and rigorous. I mean, there's a real competition going on for expansion markets. It's been you know a lot of a lot of people at that table, and there's a process, very formal process, application process. Now they're going through the league, and there's a lot more interest than there is room for expansion teams. I mean, we're going to be capping the league. Uh, at 28 teams, and who okay. knows if we ever get to, maybe we'll get to 30 or so. But there's not many more slots, and mm-hmm. you know, soccer's exploded, 
at that point, uh, we had three teams that were vying for two expansion spots, Montreal, Vancouver, and us. And it was very close, uh, actually, uh, that Montreal got it rather than us. I think the league was pretty set on Vancouver, and they they just had had Seattle, and they were worried about all these teams in the Pacific Northwest. And, um, you know, for for a variety of reasons, uh, whether it was serendipity or uh, whatever, you know, the, the, the fates had it. Uh, there were some negotiations in Montreal that off-tracked uh, their 2011 chances, mm-hmm. and we came in with, with Vancouver. Did it help that we had that stadium in place and other structures already in place? Was that Well, it helped that we got, yeah, we got the deal to, to meet MLS requirements and make right. a, you know, real soccer-specific stadium. That, that didn't help. I mean, that was that was a prerequisite. Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to do it without that. Without so that. the whole the whole expansion award was contingent on you know the deal that that we got done the pu- public private partnership we did with the city, which in retrospect I think is one of the great examples of a successful public private partnership. I mean, even if you don't like soccer, right. you can't look at the impact the Timbers and the Thorns have had on this city, what we've done in the community. Uh, the way it's activated our neighborhood, you know, and and there are a lot of obstructionists who are s- screaming, "Oh, it really is going to cost the taxpayers money," and you, this is just an end around. No, actually, it didn't. It hasn't cost the taxpayers one dime. Yeah. It was it was the spectator fund that um, was used a bit to help us out of the gate, and that's a fund that can only be used for the city's spectator venues, and. You know, this this thing's just been a win-win. I mean, I think when, when you look back on this, and I always said there's going to be anything big, there's going to be opposition. And, Absolutely. And the city spends a ton more money on a lot of every, other things that aren't aren't so public. But at the time, we were in the middle of a recession, yeah. a pretty significant recession. Yep. This was ultimately spending on an entertainment option, which didn't play well. My father was the, at the time the, the Secretary of Treasury and in, in dealing mm-hmm. with with TARP and you know the bailout and so there were a lot of optics that that were challenging to say the least yeah. in in getting this thing through and it's a credit to Sam and to Randy and Dan Salzman and the rest of the commissioners that we were you know we we, we ultimately got this thing through and mm-hmm. um, the city's really really benefited. It has. And, you know, you know, we talked a little bit before the microphones came on. My family's not a soccer-centric family. Uh, and you don't have to be a soccer-centric person to appreciate the excitement that the Timbers bring. I have so many fr- friends who are season, hold, season ticket holders. And, you know, on the day of the games, I see folks with their scarves on getting ready to take the bus down to the games. And it's, it's exciting regardless of whether or not you're at the game or not. It's nice to see people to come together and the community come together. And it, it's been fun watching it from my perspective as well. It's become part of the fabric of the city. Absolutely. And we always knew it was going to be big with young Portland. Mm-hmm. More exciting to me even as some of uh, my older friends. I'm, I'm about to turn 45, but I, I've got friends who are in their late 50s and, mm-hmm. um, you know, even – 60 out here and or so and and watching them become soccer fans because that was always the demographic that you know hey forget about those folks they're strictly american folks they've got an anti-soccer bent and they may or may not have had that but you know certainly they've gotten sucked into the excitement that is 
the Timbers. And, you know, it's not just, hey, that's cool. You know, they know when we're in the playoffs who's on yellow card accumulation yeah. and, you know, may miss the next game. And they, they're they asking me about, about trades that we've made. Why'd you trade Darlington <laughs> Nagby? They're upset. Yeah. I mean, so they're really, they're really active yeah. uh, uh, fans at this point, which is is a is a net positive not always a great thing for me in cocktail conversation <laughs> right but, right but you know on the whole it's, it's, it's a big positive so the inaugural season was uh 2011 uh 2012 and placed sixth in the western conference that's a pretty good way to start yeah we had an okay year yeah our first year out of the gate as an expansion team especially as a team coming in with another team which seattle didn't do they, they came in by themselves right and then just a few years later 2013, first place in the Western Conference, playoff. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, and obviously the, the, the championship. In so, 2015. Um, so we've, we've done well. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and, and we can always do better um, for sure, and, and we've got some, some other goals, and we've, right. we've missed the playoffs a couple times. And, that hurts. Um, and, uh, you know, we want to perform in CONCACAF Champions League, but, and, and we will, but uh, I think we've 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 set a set a pretty you know decent standard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what six seven years in, you set yourself up uh, yep. pretty successfully. And, and, then, a new coach and then we this hadn't season. anticipated, and we'll get back to Timbers, but we didn't anticipate doing the Thorns. Um, right. You know, oh, when, yeah. when we came out, and, and you know, we've won two championships there, but more so, we've set the global standard for what a women's professional sports team can be, and and how successful it can be. And, you know, the fact that, that you don't have to be a niche product marketed to, you know, just women and young girls. This is high caliber professional soccer. And, you know, look what can happen if, if you do it right. It's been a model, not just nationally, but internationally yeah. uh, and really had a global impact. And I'm as proud of that uh, in, in, in many ways as, as, as anything. Well, and as you said, it, it's universally uh, enjoyed. I have uh, some friends who have a boy and a girl, and their whole family will go to Timbers games and Thorns games. But having said that, it sure is neat seeing friends of mine who have daughters who take their daughters to the game, and these girls have role models in the Thorns. You know, 100%. They play, yeah, they play soccer every Saturday, and then they get to go see these women compete uh, and win and I mean, that's pretty fantastic. It's been great. Yeah. It really has. Absolutely. You've got a new coach this season, and you're in, as we speak, you're in the preseason going on in Tucson right now. How's that going? I just got back from Tucson yesterday. Uh, terrific. I took Gio and the, yeah. the rest of the coaches and Gavin out to dinner last night, so uh, I guess the night before last, but uh, uh, but anyway, <laughs> cl- close <laughs> enough, but it's going great uh, with a lot of new pieces. I mean, obviously starting with a new coach, which is a big change, third coach we've had mm-hmm. uh, in, in Major League Soccer. And, uh, you know, there's a really good vibe around the team right now. Not in, a lot of new players um, and, and really talented players. I mean, we put a big injection of capital into the roster uh, league-wide with our new uh, rules this year. And I think that that's this, this year, the 2018 season, we're going to see the biggest – quality jump we've ever seen um, from year to year in terms of product on the pitch. And mm-hmm. I think here in Portland, we're going to benefit from that as much as anyone. I think we've made some really good moves. Well, my friends are already buzzing about it. Good. Your <laughs> friends are smart. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're listening to Kink's Portland 50 series. I'll continue my conversation with Merritt Paulson in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Merritt Paulson, owner and CEO of the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns. So I mentioned I'm from Wisconsin, and when my boys were uh, born, I signed them up to be season ticket holders for the Packers, because that's what you do. Yep. And the waiting list is, I don't know, they're 70,000 in. How many years before that waiting list for the Timbers is that high? Because you're at 13,000, I think, right now. 15,000. 15,000. And at our uh, renewal rate, um, which is 90, um, high 98s, low 99 percentage. I mean, it's something like yeah. it's 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 70 or 80 years statistically for somebody. So that's why we're doing the expansion. Yep, you got the expansion so, going so on. So that's going to change that dynamic a yep. little bit. And, uh, you know, ultimately it, it, it gets us to 25,000 capacity um, from 21,000. But there'll be people who are existing season ticket holders that want to move to the new side. There'll be other spaces that open up where they were. There's going to be opportunity for a lot of people on the waiting list um, to get in. And, you know, I'm, I'm enthused about that. And I think that 25,000 is a pretty good um, long-term capacity as well. I remember, wasn't it when, uh, when the season, well, when the team first started and season ticket, season tickets were available, don't, I remember seeing a huge line of folks waiting to get those season tickets in the rain. Were there some overnight too? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we, we had a process to, to go through season tickets that um, I, there were certainly physical queuing that took place. I mean, we had the, we had the, the lines uh, for, to get pictures taken in the photo booth. Yes. That, that might be what you're That's remembering. That's what I'm thinking about, yeah. Um, you know, with the axes and that kind yeah. of stuff. And obviously the, the, the lines that people who literally camp out overnight, you know, waiting to get in before every game. Yep. but. That's, I think that's what you're thinking. That's probably the, what I'm the, the thinking about. The long lines when we yep. did the photo booth. And that was actually 2015. We had the 2011 booth um, that we that we did downtown and became such an iconic deal. People were making those shots that their social media avatars. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then we did it again in 2015 for the for the five-year anniversary. Yeah. That ended up being the year that we, we won MLS Cup. That was a um, great marketing piece yeah and we'll do it again in five years as well so we'll revisit it every that'll be something we keep going back i want to turn to something else the sustainability aspect Mm -hmm. of what's going on over there because that's one of my passions and a lot of what i'm trying to do here at the station and you guys have done you know you got a lot going on you've got the recycle you know just regular recycling but also cooking oil and electronics and you've got composting at the stadium kitchens and you're using green cleaning supplies. And I think I saw that good, untouched food is being donated. The rest is being composted. And another, uh, a number of other initiatives. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. We have all, the lights are triggered by motion. Yep. And we have low water system uh, that, that that's actually very efficient and, and, and works works quite well. I mean, yeah. we were, I think, a lead silver building, which is tough for an, without a, a being a new build. So to do say, that is a old. renovation with an original 1926 facility. Yeah. That's an old building to be able to do all of those things, which is fantastic. Now, did a lot of that come from you? Or are you hearing this from your fans or the folks that you have around you that this was important to do? 
Well, I think it is important to our fans in the community, but um, I mean, this this happens to be a, a, a passionate uh, an area where I'm passionate. So we were going to do that regardless. I mean, right. we could be in Dallas, Texas, and we'd be doing. And if yeah. I was running the team, we'd be we'd be doing. <laughs> not that not the Texans are so right. Nothing against they Texans, are, but, no, no, <laughs> um, but uh, we would be uh, we'd be doing the, the stuff. I mean, that's that's just part of being a good. Uh, community citizen, That's I awesome. think so, and, and we've got to set an example there. And there's more stuff we're looking at. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like to do. We've looked hard at reusable cups, you know, and or, or composted cups, and right. there's pretty significant cost piece to some of that yeah. th- those those initiatives but that's those are initiatives we're going to continue to take a close look at all right i want to go back to the game because uh i am a sports fan and so i appreciate the different things that the teams do that are just unique and that are fun and that get people engaged and you know it's something that you talk about when you leave the stadium uh and one of them is uh the timbers army i mean that's a passionate group of folks how did the timbers army come to be and how rowdy are those guys? Well, uh, they were the Timbers Army existed prior to my arrival, and mm-hmm. and, and so the root, you know, the, this Portland was Soccer City USA um, when the seeds were sown back in 1975 with the uh, NASL Timbers that launched mm-hmm. and existed through uh, the very early 80s, and then the league uh, went under. But that's when Pele played in Portland right, and right. Timber Jim. Uh, became an icon of the team yeah. and with his chainsaw and, and uh, you know, all that great stuff. And then, you know, then we had soccer uh, uh, go through an, a number of different iterations here and, you know, indoor league and mm-hmm. ultimately the USL. Um, but uh, the, the TA existed when I got here. It was, it was much smaller um uh, and, 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 and crowds were, were, were much smaller. But, you know, the, the folks who started the Timbers Army. I think the official Timbers Army, and I'm going to screw this up. I mean, that, that, was, that was all in the, uh, the early part of the you know, 2000 uh, era mm-hmm. uh, USL Timbers. And, and, and I know I s- some of the individuals that are still really active today were the folks that, that started it. You know, I know these guys by their user handles <laughs> you know, on, on Twitter, like Nevitz, you know, yes. one of the guys. But I mean, if you want to be in the Army, you already are in the army, as right. they're saying, and it's it's there's an ethos of 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 spread the love, and so sort of all the aggro crazy stuff that that you might you know have as a perception, which is true. We've got the electric environment, and yeah, that's ultimately driven by them. You know, they're extremely active in the community. Absolutely, you know, they they're doing their fields for all initiative right now. Um, among a, a host of other efforts and the the volunteerism ethos is is just off the charts in the Timbers Army. So that's the stuff you don't see. I mean, when I came in, uh, there was an adversarial relationship between the front office and the Timbers Army, and they were trying to stamp out profanity and this chant and that chant and, you know, kind of stay away from, from those guys. And soccer was very tangential to what the, you know, the core business was. And that is an area that I changed. So we opened up communications lines more than they had been uh, the fact that I think at that point I don't still do the the regular monthly meetings with the TA, although I'll, I just did one, um, you know, I'll do them periodically as, mm-hmm. as needed. But at that point I was doing the meetings myself. So to actually have an owner sitting in there and, right. you know, and, and, and 
like any relationship, it's driven by communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and we needed to, to ensure that, that, that the communication lines were, were open. And we weren't always going to agree, but we were always going to respect each other. And, you know, there have been some fits and starts. And I've blown up at them on Twitter and uh, a couple times. And, you know, it hasn't always been perfect. But no. uh, by and large, it's been a really functional relationship. Well, and when I said crazy, I meant in a good way, of course. Yes, of course, of course. course. Uh, But there is a lot of, you brought that up, there is a lot of volunteerism, uh, not just with the Timbers Army, but, you know, you see Timber Joey now out uh, in the community and Timbers players planting trees and in the schools and and so on. And um, that's awesome to see as well. I mean, you've become a fabric of the community. Yeah, uh, and and our... Community outreach efforts are, are are pretty recognized, not just in Major League Soccer, but all the professional sports as yeah. being best in class. I mean, what we've done with Stand Together Week is mm-hmm. is pretty unique, and you know that's th- that's primarily the week. You know, activities every single day. You were talking about seeing people out planting tre- planting trees, but players, coaches, yeah. Timbers Army, everybody side by side, and thousands of people over the course of of, of one week. But we've done, I mean, the stuff we did with Atticus, the, the mm-hmm. you know, back in 2015, um, the the boy um, who was dealing with some health, significant health issues, and we set up a, a a game against the Timbers and his youth team, and Timbers Army showed up for like a two o'clock or you know noon weekday game, and they had thousands of people chanting, and we did the scoreboard. That was pretty amazing stuff yeah. as well. I mean, that was neat to see. So um, we've done a lot of great stuff in the community and, and um, again, something that I'm extremely proud of. I want to go back to Timber Joey because he does something uh, when the team scores, cuts the cookie. Yeah. You know, he's got the big log, got his chainsaw and cuts the cookie, gives it to uh, the player that scores the goal. What do these players do with it? I mean, how many do they end up racking up at the end of the season and what do they do with all these cookies? Uh, everybody, I mean, it's got something different. I mean, and, and goalies get them when they, you know, right. have a clean sheet as well. Uh, so there have been players who have made, had them lacquered and made them into furniture. Uh, you know, some of them give them back to the team so we can do, you know, donations. Some of them just keep them stacked up by their locker, <laughs> uh, you know, and it kind of is, is sort of a reminder to everybody in the locker room who's scoring the goals. Right. Adi does that, um, <laughs> uh, so you know it's just it's 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 player by player, but it's it's an awesome tradition. I mean, th- it's resonated globally. Started with with Timber Jim um, before Timber Joey, and and um, that's one I wish I could take some credit for. But <laughs> but it's certainly uh, it's certainly the coolest goal scoring tradition. It's pretty cool um, in soccer. Anywhere and and uh, in England, like that's how everybody knows the Timbers. So the guy with the chainsaw, nice. Know, and, and that's you know we've got a pretty decent brand recognition, name recognition, uh, relative to other American clubs over there. I think largely because of that. Yeah, it's very visual. It's fun. It's you know everyone loves it. Yeah. So uh, no retired jerseys yet. Well, we do have retired. We we have the we have the uh, you have the Ring of Honor. We have the Ring of Honor, yeah. which are the retired. Is that I mean, the same I mean, thing? That's, they don't soccer. You don't retire numbers. So uh, there's just you know y- your number nine is 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 got a meaning in soccer beyond like what it, what it would have. There's you typically uh, soccer players numbers don't go you know past 
you know, in, in the, the low 30s. I mean, you're not just, it's not like the NFL where right, you've got a lot NBA. more people. And we actually have a guy who's number 99 now and, you know, uh, but so you, there's really no rules, but but there's significance to to, to certain numbers as well. Number ten, um, you know, is is the playmaker on the team, the mm-hmm. center attacking midfielder, creative midfielder. The number nine is your, uh, you know, you talk about the we're going to sign a nine. Um, you know, that's a center forward, um, but that player often wants to wear the number nine to significant. There's there's for the eleven you know guys on the field. There's there's a number that sig- signifies. Um, their position. Mm-hmm. So retiring numbers, uh, you know, but we do put people in the ring of honor. And you've got five. Timber Jim is one of them. Yep. Right. Yep. And have you put anybody in the ring of honor since 2011? We haven't put a modern era Portland Timber in the in, in the ring of honor yet. But somebody from a number of years ago, I did yeah, see that. Yes. You know, we'll have some decisions to make. I, I can promise you Diego Valeri will be in the ring of honor. Yeah. So we've got to think about the appropriate time to start right. making some of those decisions. I mean, we've only been an MLS team now for, for, for this will be our eighth, eighth year. Exactly. And you are in your eighth year, as we mentioned earlier. Guys are in uh, Tucson for the preseason. And you've got your kickoff number of games away because of the construction going on. Home opener for the Thorns is the 15th. And for uh, the Timbers is the 14th. I get that right? Sounds right. Sounds about right. I'm so, focused on our opener at LA Galaxy in yep. a couple of weeks on Sunday night. Yeah, so, that's coming up real quick. <laughs> more focused on that than, <laughs> than, than playing Minnesota in, in, exactly. in, 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 in April. April. And, and the Thorns, uh, again, open up, I think, right right around the same time. Right around time. the same time. Yeah. And um, Thorns open on the road, too, though. They play, nor- they play North Carolina. On I saw road. that for a couple of uh, matches as well. Yeah. 2018 season. What do you, besides, of course, a championship, uh, what are you looking forward to for the team? You know, winning. I mean, <laughs> so it's another way of saying no. I mean, I think uh, seeing how the new coach, uh, you know, brings his style and, yep. and, and new culture to the team in the locker room, I think we're going to get more out of uh, some players on the team, especially some of the international um, Latin players mm-hmm. are, are really going to benefit by, by, by having him here. And I think – Anytime you've got a new coach in a slightly new system, watching the evolution there is really going to be interesting. So um, that is what I'm looking for on the timber side. Thorns, it's going to be the challenge of, you know, repeating. I mean, it's always tough the year after you win a championship, and we've had some big changes there as well. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to watching from the outside and Maybe I can talk uh, one of game uh, well. I was just going to say maybe I can talk one of my friends into inviting me to a game. Thank you. I appreciate you coming in. I know this is a busy time, um, but loved having you in and learning more about the team. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Merritt Paulson. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland Fifty podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating King's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.